Welcome to hell. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Jersey Shore Musicians Podcast. I'm Matt. That's Jeff. Hey guys. And tonight we got my very good friend and musical mentor, Mr. Steve Hershey. Hey. hey. Glad All to be fun. here with you. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, man. Thank you for coming. I yes, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Okay. Story yeah, with Eric. Sure. All right. Eric Collier, uh, if you're listening, hey man. <laughs> um, he used to come into the store and he had like, you know, you know full beard and, you know, and his deep voice and and when i met him he could he could instantly quote spinal tap the movie the yeah. entire movie right like any like so i would say yeah this one goes to 11 and he just like start running the script and i was like oh this guy's cool and he goes yeah he's like yeah, every year you know we throw a uh, uh a spinal tap party you know and we, we we throw it on and everybody watches spinal tap and um Obviously, you guys have both seen this movie yeah. eight, 20 times. So it's very, very funny uh, music movie. And he he goes, yeah, I'll let you know when we're having the next one. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I, I don't know this guy from Adam, except that, you know, he's in there, you know, it's, you know, I play bass and, you know, that type of thing. So one time he comes in, he's like, yeah, it's on this weekend. We're doing the Spinal Tap, like, viewing party. He goes, like, you know, my, my buddy's got like you know out in the barn at, you know at their farm and like everybody gets together and you know it's all you know do get our drink on and you know a bunch of people's like oh yeah it's cool i'd love to go so i was i was like what can i bring he's like hey bring a case of beer i was like yeah sure okay so you know i go get a case of beer show up at this address there's this barn you know there's people hanging all around i walk up the stairs of this barn got this case of beer a bunch of 14 year old kids like passed out like drooling on themselves and i was like so these are your friends and i was like how old are you he's like 15 uh, <laughs> i was like great i just brought a case of beer to a 15 year old oh my god <laughs> and i was like because i worked that day and i was like late arrival i guess they already had one case of beer and knocked out 18 of them <laughs> um and i was like well you know uh, you know he's like hey we're already done watching the movie you know but he's like but hang out so we ended up playing poker with a pinochle deck. And if you've ever seen it, it's like loaded with like face cards. Okay. With pinochle. Yeah, yeah. If you play poker with it, everybody's got five kings. Uh, Everybody. <laughs> um, so I took all their money and then I uh, then I went home. But that's how I met Eric. Oh, that's funny. Uh, down the road. I, and I told him, I was like, dude, when you turn 18, work here. Yeah. And if three years later, uh, he did. I know he mentioned uh, in his training to be a guitar repair guy, which... I mean, to his credit, that he he knew where it was at. Um, he mentioned, yeah, I worked at a music store and kind of apprenticed for a little while. That was like years, and that was yeah. with uh, in at Tom's River Music. Yeah, actually, that's how I met Eric too. Was through that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh cool. Because I was uh, Tommy Garofalo's student, so I oh, was right, I right. was there when it was in the mall. I was there when it was in the mall. And then TJ Maxx Plaza. Right. And then that was it for and me. And then TJ by Maxx then I was 20 Plaza, something. Yeah, yeah I didn't I was, know. Yeah, I guess Tommy Garofalo would have been there back then. That's that's That TJ Maxx he was, yeah. Yeah, TJ Maxx he definitely was. And he was in yeah. the mall because he's been 1991 was when I started lessons. Yeah, 91 yeah. you started lessons. Yeah, so yeah, that was that was a cool time in like in Jersey Shore music. Yeah. In general. Yep. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. That was kind of the height of um, what we were doing in retail. 
back then. I think I started with that company in the early 80s. Anyway, back to... Yeah. So my brother was a producer. How far off track did I get? We yeah. Eric, <laughs> oh, Eric, Eric we do here. <laughs> um, what a cool guy. He and he actually had uh, his nickname. Do you guys know his nickname from back then? Who, Eric's? Yeah. No, but I'd love to hear it. Oh, my God. Yeah, for, for years. He, <laughs> he goes, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> for Nick, and, and I mean, if he's watching this, he's going to be like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> nah. I mean, it's not bad. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It was, it was just something that stuck. So... Um, his nickname was Ojo. And Ojo. Ojo, spelled O-J-O, Ojo. Okay. Ojo, right? If, for lack of a better spelling, right? <laughs> so the way that he got that name was, uh, he's working at the music store, and uh, one of the big companies had come through, I think it was Ibanez or Yamaha, big Japanese-based company, and we had a rep. Like, every company would have a rep, like Gibson would have a rep that would come in, Yamaha would have a rep that would come in. I think it was, I think these guys were Ibanez though, so we have our normal rep that comes in plus his boss, who we never met before in our mm-hmm. lives. But you know, he's, and we've you know you remember the store? It was a, you know one wall was pure Ibanez. They loved us. Yeah. yeah. But they brought with them one of their uh, designers from Japan, and he spoke English decently, um, but uh, broken. We'll say you know okay, yeah. it was like so. a, I guess a broken. English, but he understood you and he could speak very clearly. And he's like, you know, looked at the store and uh, super cool guy. And all these, I mean, they're from Ibanez. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? These guys are just like the coolest guys on the planet. So they look around, they like everything. They're like, all right, yeah, you know, they're like, uh, Steve, let's take you out to lunch. You know, you got, you know, you got somebody you want to bring. I was like, yeah, let me bring Eric. Because he's really super into the, you know, the guitars and he's, he was really, I guess like my top guy on the staff, Hmm. you know, I was like, yeah, we'll bring Eric. Right. So we all go out, we, and, um, have this whole big long discussion about the, you know, where Ibanez is going and, uh, you know, what we can look forward into the future. And they were getting more into like seven strings at that time. And, you know, we're like, they're like, we're looking at eight strings and we're like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) No, eight strings. You'll never be able to pull that off. So, uh, we come back, we come back from lunch, and then they're gonna hit the road. We're like, shake their hands, very nice to meet you. And they take off, and Eric turns to me. He goes, uh, "I got a question for you, though." I said, "What?" And he goes, "What the hell is Ojo?" And I go, "Ojo? Like, what the hell is Ojo?" I, I was like, "Where in context did you hear this word?" And he goes, "Yeah, the guy from the Ibanez factory. He kept saying Ojo." And all you guys were like nodding and smiling and agreeing with him. And then you'd be off on the conversation about Ojo. He goes, I don't know what the hell Ojo is. What, like, you know, and he was like, I was sitting there going like this, like, you know, what the hell is it? And it took me a minute to figure out. I was like, I was like, all right. The guy was talking about what we see on the TV screen is video. What we hear in the headphones is Ojo. Oh, that's awesome. He's like, we listen to the audio while we watch the video. And and so we got it in context. We knew that he meant, you know, obviously yeah, audio, audio. audio. But to that day, you know, from that day forth, man, I was like, Eric, man, I was like, your new nickname has to be Ojo. So he was like Ojo for like 10 years. Oh, I'm so texting him <laughs> that later. I'm like, hey, Ojo, where's my guitar? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but super cool, a super cool guy. Um, I, I was really 
kind of cool hearing he was going to be back in New Jersey and that you guys were bringing him in because I mean he's he's got his fingerprint on uh, really the, the guitar tech mm-hmm. side of it, which is a huge thing in this business. Yeah, and long transcending any you know the, the work that I did, you know, because I got out of uh, I got out of that like twenty years ago, and he ran with it. So yeah, God his, love him. His pickup company's doing really well too. Oh yeah, Luther Lee pickups. Yeah, yeah big yeah. shout out to Luther Lee pickups. Uh, I've had a chance to listen to them in uh, a guitar at Russo Music. Oh, okay. Yeah, thumbs up to Russo too for surviving. We, we were talking about this yeah. a little bit before. They, you know, a lot of business models were failing in, in retail, and um, they were, uh, I guess, paying attention to what. Um, what we needed. Yeah. Like, what do you guys really need? I mean, you can go order whatever online, but you need a place that you can take your thing where there's a competent technician that can, you know, replace a fret or fix your binding or do this, yeah. that, or the other thing. Um, you can't really, I guess you could find some place online to, to send it out to, but they put like real characters in there that really knew their stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Russo is very cool. All right. Uh, anyway, back. we're talking about like the asbury park days like going back to like 1980 so my brother's six years older than me and he was like in a high school band so when he was like 18 i was like 12 well when he was like 20 21 i was like you know 14 15 years old and i was playing keyboard and i was starting to get okay and he goes hey join the band so i did at like 15 years old i think i was like a sophomore and at that time we also brought in uh Todd Conine, one of the monster guitar player, who was 14, and he was a freshman at the time. Oh, wow. But the, the kid was like, just, it was nothing for him to just burn around on a fretboard, like, like immaculately with great feeling. The, you know, he had the, the hair and the look. And, uh, <laughs> he just had everything. But we were 14, 15 years old. So my brother's like, all right, well, you know, when we go into these clubs, you know, Loading in the equipment is, is a great way. Just kind of keep your head down. Don't be like, oh, my God, a bar. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's drinking a beer, you know. Um, and, you know, just get in there, play, keep your head down, keep in the shadows kind of thing. And so when I was like 15, uh, we were playing, you know, back then, you know, this, uh, you know, probably three, four nights a week, I guess, like Stone Pony headliner back then you had you guys were talking about all the clubs so i won't kill you with the list but all those bars that had been around for all all those all those times um and the drinking age was 18 back then and again it was very lightly enforced um (laughs) so the turnout in these clubs was it was they'd fill your club up with you know 15 16 17 year old kids that they didn't proof at the door um because they're, they're one buddy 17 and drive drove five other of them there. And you know what? If, as long as they weren't dangerously slammed, you know, I guess the law of averages says you'll survive. They would go, yeah. they would make it home. It wasn't like, you know, oh, you tick this thing on the breathalyzer that, you know, you're mm-hmm. barely buzzed and you're going to jail. Um, and I think if you did get pulled over for whatever reason, a tail light out, they were really looking more for drugs. Mm. You know, they weren't really cracking down on drinking back then anyway. So as a, as a result, these clubs were packed. Like on a Tuesday night in November, you go to the Stone Pony, and it didn't really even matter who was playing. You could just go there and, and catch a really good band packed. 
Um, I missed the 18 drinking age by like six weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like they did it on like January 1st and like six weeks later I turned 18. And the next year they moved it to 19 and I missed that by six weeks. And then they moved it to 20 and I missed that. Like they told you they were going to do it. They were yeah. ramping to 21. They were just fucking with you. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Like I had a buddy of mine who was like literally, he was like 10 weeks older than I was and he drank legally for three years before I could legally have a drink. <laughs> wow. He was like 10 weeks older than me and he was like, oh yeah, drinking in bars the whole time. Me, wow. not so much. <laughs> but yeah, this, the scene was very... One of the coolest things that I saw happen in Asbury Park, there was this club like uh, kind of down where... Between the Pony and like Cookman, uh, sort of where the big merry-go-round was, kind of in that block there. And it was this little just like hallway. It was like this long, long, long brick building. In this little hallway, and there's a giant bouncer standing there, and then there was the door to get in. And what would happen is people were just kind of walking through Asbury, like, oh, da -da, you know, it's you know, 10 o'clock at night. And they would see that they were about to get jumped by a gang. They could see the gang kind of moving through the parking lot, like, all right, look at them, they look like an easy mark. And they're, they're trapped on this edge of this huge brick building as they're walking, and they see the, the gang. So where do you go? You'd walk into this little hallway. To get, get away from the gang. And the bouncer would be standing there in the hallway going, five bucks a head. And they'd be like, well, you know, let us just stand here for a minute. We're waiting for the, the gang to go by kind of thing, you know. And uh, he'd go, in or out, five bucks. And they would just, just to save their lives. Yeah. And they would pack this club every night. I think they hired that gang. Yeah. <laughs> like, every time you see somebody walking down the road, you know, act menacing out in the parking lot, kind of head towards them, and we'll just pack the club. Yeah, well, back then, Asbury Park was not a nice place. <laughs> no, no. It's, I, I mean, you could still go down the wrong street in that town. Oh, yeah. There's, mm. there's, there's still pockets of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's been, uh, I think, probably overly gentrified, I guess. You know. It's the common theme around here. <laughs> Is it really? Well, yeah. you know, like I'd like to go there like and, and get like a six dollar sandwich that happens to be twenty two dollars because you know? of, of uh, you know yeah. it's so We're posh nice. there. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make it into a tourist destination again. That's what that's what it is. Yeah. Well, Eddie Van Halen had invested a lot back when the you know, they were giving those properties away. And uh, you know, the Vaccaro family, yeah. you know, they owned I don't even know what percent of it, but they were just buying, 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 and that stuff's all worth, like, you know, their yeah. investments. Henry Vaccaro had us in a building. Uh, it was, like, this brick building that was set up, like, as a rehearsal space, and so, like, three bands shared this one space, and so we had it from midnight till 8 in the morning. Any night of the week we wanted, it was always available to us. And uh, it was Henry Vaccaro Jr. that owned it, and for electricity, I remember him telling me one time, he's like, well, you know, the electricity is like, you know, and the rent there was like 75 bucks a month for your band wow. to have like a whole time slot. And I was like, God, the electric's got to cost you more than that. He goes, he's like, we ran a wire over to the emergency exit sign at the shutdown Woolworth and we just ran a wire over Paris, the whole studio. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Kind of my limited dealings with him from back then. Yeah. So you came up through the ranks music later, Matt. Yeah. You were coming into um, 
And I actually want to give a shout out to Ian Mackenzie Smith. I know I'm supposed to read this, and you know what? I will read it. Um, he's he was in OS 101. Were you around back when no, OS 101 wasn't. was yeah. a thing? No. He was the tail end of Hogan's Heroes too, I think. And, and I mean, you, you'd listen in on the radio. Um, you know, it's like you know tonight CBGBs would have this, and the Stone Party would have that, and it was OS 101. I mean, he was that band, and we'd go see those guys, and you know. If yeah, you they know were, they were signed. They toured all over. Yeah, know. that was uh, old school 101 is what that was. And it was like legit punk. And mm. it was probably, in terms of like legit punk, probably the last time that you could really see it, uh, I would think. And, and so Ian McKenzie Smith on bass, um, kind of a legend, uh, you know, for us at the music stores, like Ian would walk in like, oh my God, it's don't a bass player from OS 101. <laughs> don't say that. Either. Don't say that. Well, you know, he don't need it. One of the one of the cool facets. I know. I'm like, I I will read this thing if I if I need to. You know, um, the, if, if the power of sticker Jesus compels me. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll just I'll just say on my own own thing. Yeah, he designed um, that logo for us too. When you see band, a lot of this. this thing that we had this you know this music thing was that there was this art that accompanied it like you you know you'd hit the uh the toll booth and you know there in the change basket there was a sticker mm, for you know this yeah. band was playing or whatever and some of the coolest artwork that you'd see and all over the place and a lot of times that's kind of how you knew kind of what a band was about yeah. i mean you could kind of look at the sticker and kind of get a vibe for oh man we get you know we should go see that band and there was just a handful of like artists that were behind making that happen in the Jersey Shore scene. And Ian was kind of the guy. Wow. Uh, years ago, I was, you know, building some equipment in, out in the garage, and you know, I was going to sticker him with the name of the company. And I mean, he's like, "Oh yeah." He looked at my design. He's like, "Yeah, no." He goes, "Your thing is cooler than that. We're going to do this thing like, like uh, stainless steel." With like this, you know, gradiated uh, lighting on it and stuff. The guy's just got a vision and stickers. I mean, you want them on your guitar case. You want to be cool. You want them on your bumper and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, stuck up sticker company. And you know what? You don't even they, need to read that. That was yeah. a good enough promo right there. Yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> no, but I mean that's that's like Better the, than the what real he deal. I mean, he drives so much of this, and uh, yeah, I mean for nothing else for supporting yeah. this industry. Go talk to Ian. I mean, you oh, just yeah. don't you don't find a cooler guy yeah, doing yeah. cooler stuff. And when you talk to him, if you mention the Jersey Shore Musicians podcast, you'll get ten percent off your first order. I should probably mention that had I known it. <laughs> that's my part. That's oh, why it's not on. Oh, it. that's it. That's not on my cool copy because they they do have copy for me to read here, <laughs> which I shan't be reading. So you were coming up at a time. Uh, yeah, I started going like to shows 90s. about like '95. Yeah, yeah, the '90s and stuff. Late and '90s, I started playing guitar. Right, right. Yeah. And what was your first bass? I don't even remember some some Ibanez, like some you know hundred dollar Ibanez. Yeah, bass. Yeah. You know, is as plain Jane as it could be. Yeah, yeah. But you got you got good on that thing. I always uh, enjoyed. Uh, I'm all right watching watching <laughs> the bands that you were involved with. It was always a lot of fun. This guy tells me I'm terrible all nah, the time. <laughs> Only sometimes when you're like, he's really like, what me you off. just played was really cool, but don't play it. Play this. <laughs> no, I, I always say, oh, dude, you got a lot of notes in there. Why don't you cut back a little? <laughs> I told you, I, I write bass lines like a lead guitar player. 
Yeah, it's and I think I I mean even lead guitar players can write stuff that's written for more of a lead guitar player yeah. than they are. Yeah, true. You Very know? true. Uh, I remember going to see uh, the G three tour. Oh, okay. Um, one year it was the warm up was actually Robert Fripp from King Crimson came out sat on a stool and almost stood up at one time while he was while he was playing and that was that was phenomenal. But the uh, it was Eric Johnson. Um, then Steve Vai, then Joe Satriani, mm. and I mean that that was a great lineup. But the I remember I came with a couple of people that were not really into music, like music for musicians, which is what all that stuff yeah. really yeah. is. Yeah. And uh, about halfway through, Steve Vibe just kind of blistering for fifteen minutes on. He goes. I think I've heard every note on his guitar ten times already in the last <laughs> minute. And I was like, yeah, he'll come back down. And which he did. And of course, Joe Satriani was very tasteful too. But I mean, what a great point, you know, in terms of yeah, finger gymnastics. And yeah. that was a whole big thing in the music scene for a while. Um, you're lucky your teacher was Tommy Garofalo because, I mean, he could shred. He had but this he, jazz sense to him that was, he always was big on timing, chords, structure. I kind of transferred over, which was funny just before he moved to Florida. He right, just right. did. So a band that I was filling in with also needed another guitar player. And I'm like, I, I don't know anymore. <laughs> so I get to the gig. Sure enough, it's Tommy. And I'm like, this is insane. You taught me. And now we're both playing together. And we did like three gigs together. Oh, that's that was cool. really cool. You know, I was yeah. like, wow, man. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, he had, he was strict on timing. Like mm. I was metronome guy. And then when I taught, whenever I taught at a place, metronome sales like went through the roof. Yeah. I was like, you have to have one. And it's definitely weird having an opportunity to play with a teacher. It was weird. That first time I was like, ooh, shit. Is, you got to get a good teacher though. Like I, I had a good teacher. Oh yeah, I, I, heard, <laughs> I, I heard that guy was okay. Uh, the local, uh, local uh, acoustic duo, sometimes trio, sometimes uh, four piece. The Brew Crew. Oh, okay, yeah. They're and they're cool. And that was um, one of the other teachers from back in in the day. Back then was Adam Needs Wiki, blonde guy, and one of his students was Johnny Brew, and Johnny was all about you know I will capo. And play G, C, and D for my next song, and then recapo and play G, C, and D for my okay. next song. But he could sing, mm -hmm. and he could really—I mean, he's got a great rhythmic sense. He's fun to watch. Um, kind of limited as a guitar player, and he was always on Adam. He's like, he's like, come on, I do this like a little acoustic thing. Come out and just kind of, you know, play with me. And that's how it started. And that's the Brew Crew. It's oh, it, wow, it I never his knew that. Teacher. <laughs> and wow. they're like here they are 20 years later still doing that i wow. they play it like uh oh they play all over the place oh, all yeah. over the place and they're and they're busy all the time yeah. they, they play up by my house they play i think there's a uh an applebee's there yeah they play, which, they play which in by my house all the time too yeah it's, it's got like a nice courtyard kind of fire pit kind of setup outdoor brew crew comes in there and they do uh like you'll know every song and it's yeah. done well they he's, got he's a, a good showman yeah, he's he's good. He's got a guy uh, that plays bass with him more often than not. So they're really more of a trio now. 
Um, good solid bass player, yeah. good vocal harmonies. Yeah. Well, he kind of tailors it to like where he is. You know, if it needs a duo, he'll just just the two of them. If, he, if it's a little bit bigger of a place, he'll he'll have the three piece. Right, right. And they'll bring out uh, what is that thing? Drummers have that little box they oh, sit on. The cajon. The cajon. <laughs> uh, they'll bring out uh, John Hawes from Shorty Long. Oh yes. And they'll, yeah. On on cajon, and he's uh, um, a brilliant uh, he drummer. Would- one thing about him, and, and one thing that I really appreciate in a good drummer, um, and I know a lot of people practiced hard with the metronome, mm-hmm. you know, in, in getting good, and, and I'm sure he did too. Um, but it's that that shifting in between beat yep, it's the that push gives and, it the feel and lay back, right, know? right, it's that little bit of swing to the timing, mm-hmm. and he is, I guess, if you chart the the swing percentage from fifty percent would be strict, and then like. 67% like anywhere yeah. in there but he could go beyond the 67 and 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 stick it hmm. like the whole song or, or or dial it to 54 and just give it a shimmy he was a master of that in between uh, accent and he would just he could maintain it for the entire song wow. and so he would catch that wood off the strumming style because that's never that strict yeah. and he would just say okay yeah you're going he'd go I've noticed a lot, like probably within the last maybe five to ten years, drummers have been listening to guitar players more than they've been listening to bass players. <laughs> I swear, just from studio aspect, I'd be like, what oh, do, would you, you come mean? up? Like, like they'll I understand follow, what the They'll words follow the accents now. of the guitar versus laying down and sitting back with a bass player. So they'll push like a guitar player mm-hmm. and let the bass kind of sit and hold down. It's very... it's. Like I said, I've seen it now for like the past five, ten years, these younger generations doing stuff like that, which, nice. all right, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's different, yeah. you know? But like, just like you said, though, he's going by the guitar. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I've heard accents. Where'd you come up with that? Well, that's what he does. Well, you should be worried about what he does. <laughs> he's fine over there. Don't worry about him. What do you mean I should do something? <laughs> yeah, no, right? Don't tell me what to do. Oh, they're always fucking fun. drummers. Drummers and singers are the best. Oh, yeah. There's so many... Uh, we had so many great drummer jokes, um, you know, working in the music store. And my favorite of which was, how do you know when the drum riser is level? The okay. drummer will drool out of both sides of his mouth. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like jokes like that. And I mean, they had jokes for everybody. Guitar players yeah. and bass players had, had a couple humdingers, too. Yeah, but I was... Uh, I we, was have just, some, we have drummer issues around here. Yeah. 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 Well, that's health. It's not really, you know... <laughs> Still, it's always the drummer. Yeah, yeah. I was a keyboard player coming up through uh, like the bar, the bar scene, and we were rare. And mostly, I think it wasn't because of like that we were like any good or anything. It's it's just that there were a thousand guitar players, mm-hmm. and it was five keyboard players. And I think a lot of it was just the price of the gear. You couldn't put a two keyboard rig together for under five k. You just couldn't True. do it. Uh, with any kind of, you know, reasonable, you know, it's just expensive hobby to have. And uh, the five, you know, because we're in Tom's River here and Tom's River Music. And I mean, this is sort of like the center of the Jersey Shore scene, uh, which, you know, runs all the way from probably Seabright all the way down the coast. But Tom's River was definitely the center of this. There was five keyboard players back in the day. And the thing is, we all knew each other and we were all friends and we all talked to each other. And so if whatever band you were in, 
Um, if for some reason you got like on the wrong side of your keyboard player, the other four would know about it immediately, uh, and you yeah. would never get a keyboard player again, unless you like <laughs> cultivated like you know, you know the kid next door to like come play keyboards with you. That's funny. but it was it, one of them was actually my roommate for a long time. His name was also Steve, so people would call up and go, Steve there, which one? Yeah. The keyboard player. Which, which one? one? <laughs> the one that works at Tom's River Music. Which one? Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. You wow. know, because we both worked there. And, uh, yeah, um, Steve Hauser. Uh, haven't heard from him in years, but um, he was... Uh, they were covering a lot of, like, Bon Jovi kind of... Ding, 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 ding. And he was, he was just a brilliant player for that. He had great dexterity. Very, very cool guy. Uh, we were all good at different things. We had um, one of the guys had great feel and cording, like great mm -hmm. comping skills and great cording. Um, Steve Hauser was like the just like it is on the record guy, okay. you know, for uh, for a lot of that stuff. And then you had like one guy that was like classically trained, and so he he could do like sticks and that kind of stuff. And I was always like blues based was my thing, and also that I was very fast. Uh, like just you know, like gotcha. I could just rip some rip some stuff out. Um, like you hear a lot of guitar players that do like that that kind of ripping style, and eventually they realize they need to dial it back. And I think I had to kind of go through that myself because I would just you know solo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would just be ripping ripping some notes. But I got to dial dial back my feel a lot over the years now. So I, I don't know where it stands right now. I guess I'm just <laughs> the, the, rock, the rock guy. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, I, I should probably shout out to, uh, um, I have a YouTube channel as well. We do interviews as well. Um, and that's for, um, there's a Facebook group of home recording studio enthusiasts called Home Recording Studio Zone on Facebook. You guys should check it out if you do any home recording from beginner up through like what you're doing here or like what I do um, and I'm uh, one of the mods on there and so one of the things I do is I run like a, a little interview channel and tutorial channel we, we brought in a couple weeks ago Tony Nardini I don't know yeah. if you, yeah, know if you ever, ever get to work with him and he was one of my students from many many years ago and uh, he's I ran like he was one of my students and I ran into him like probably like after after he had you know, going off to college or whatever. I ran into him like five years later at a studio on the same gig. Uh, it was a, a local producer, a guy named Steve Thomas, who's a really smoking producer. And he just had us both booked where one of us would play piano and one of us would play organ. But mm. he hadn't really sorted out who would be on what. Uh. He's just like, yeah, yeah, we're bringing, we're bringing in Steve, we're bringing in Tony Nardini. And so we get there and we hadn't seen each other in years. And we were like... Hey, you know, holy moly, you know, like, and um, we had these keyboards set up, like, facing each other. And it was at that moment that I realized that he had become a better player than I was. And as a teacher, I think there was, there's very little that'll make you feel, at the same time, really good about yourself and really terrible about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> as you see a student come in that can just smoke you. Um, but he immediately fell into the groove of the song like it was nothing and I was kind of hearing it and kind of saying oh okay I kind of get this and meanwhile he was like yeah I got it 
And I was like, why don't you cover the organ part? And I just like held my head low and went over to the piano and <laughs> tried to kind of keep up with the kid. Um, but, but Tony's Tony's a um, just a monster player, a great singer. And he did... Um, I know you guys were talking a lot about the business, the business of like, how do you get paid and who's get, where's the money coming from and the promoters keeping this amount and the band's only getting this and that kind of stuff. He did uh, kind of a corporate sort of vibe where they weren't looking to play Saturday night at the Stone Pony. They would get booked for, you know, like Colgate toothpastes, you know, uh, the 30th anniversary of like one of their vice presidents and they're going to mm. throw him a party and they needed a band. So he was in uh, hyperactive and they were, they were getting like more money than a bar, more money than a wedding band because yeah. they were doing corporate gigs and they would just go in there and it was like meticulously perfect, you know, the whole band with the whole, you know, horn section and everything else going on. And he did very well for himself doing that angle um we were talking about before like music stores that survived and ones that didn't and ones that i mean because let's face it like gc they're still there but i mean you know <laughs> they're still there i don't want to kick it like a dog while it's no, dying but it's i okay. mean it's, it's um, fine <laughs> I, I mean but you don't have to you know you don't have to look too far at it like in the financial news, how many billion in debt are they? Oh God, who and, knows? And they're uh, how many times have they sold? They've refied so many times that they, like the the last time that they refied, it was like it was this company. It's like okay, I'll refine you and uh, refi and, and save your company, but you're you're going to be paying sixteen percent interest now, oh my gosh. and you're going to have a balloon payment of five billion due, but it's not due for two years. And that came and went. Yeah. And they didn't pay anything. And so who knows how they're even hanging on. Wow. Um, one of the, and one of the, this is, you know, we were talking before about like the Columbia, uh, Columbia business model. A business in turmoil is at its most efficient. Um, and God love the people that work for that company. Like, I mean, they have employees there. Um, but everybody I knew that like was involved with them that was like good or knowledgeable or, or able to push that business and make it like legitimate, they're all gone. And every time I go, not every time I go in there, because like I only go in there for emergencies, but I never see the same people twice in a row. Wow. I think it's just a revolving door of, uh, you know, hey, you know, you got your little band or your little studio or your little bit of training and you're hired mm. until you realize that what they're offering you is not what your paycheck actually gives you. Uh, so a big revolving door of, uh, you know, employees coming out there because I don't think they pay anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, anymore. that's the music business now. Just not getting paid. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Well, it's, you know, but I mean, look at, look at Eric though. You know, uh, that's not the music business I'm talking about. I'm oh, talking oh, about the oh, other man, side of the glass. Yeah, now. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Russo. Yeah, no, Russo's do it. Russo Rus did well. Russo did it right. Yep. They, they changed their business model. Um, same thing I think happened with studios too. Like, um, you know, the old business model of, you know, we charge this per hour, you block this amount of time, you bring in your band, and those schedules dried way up. Did it. Um, I guess for a lot of people. I don't know if you... 
do you, I, do see, you make I money doing this or no i only t- i like handpick projects that's the only thing i do i don't take like i don't get the hey man can you no nah, you got the wrong guy sorry and click oh yeah, yeah. I, I do that exact same thing you know too. like so i handpick things what's, what's that, a big warning sign for you like <laughs> I got it's a, been I got so a few, long. But... I mean, it's like um, I mean, you've been putting up with me for like ten or twelve yeah. years now. No, no, no. There's there's worse where it's like, yeah, man, I want to uh, come in and like lay my stuff down and then build a band around it, or you know, I don't really play any, to a click track. Yeah. I want it to feel right and be the certain way. And it's like, well, can you come in and just do it live then? Right, well, right. no, I don't have. Yeah, there's certain things where it's just like ah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but I haven't like it's probably been at least a good 10 years since I've had to subject myself to something. Not that I'm I'm just not that guy. I don't have patience anymore. Like, yeah, because I've kicked somebody you... out for not playing in time. Like, I was like, dude, sure, here's a metronome. Yeah. Come back when you can do it. And it was a guitar solo. Well, you're protecting yourself because I think they think that they're doing something miraculous. Mm-hmm. And then when the project is impossible to actually, uh, yeah. you know, put out as a product because of a timing issue or something like that, they look at you like you're not doing your job. Yeah, you're putting your yeah. name on it. Yeah. Why yeah. would you set yourself up for that? So, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% so. agree with that. Uh, I love your example. And I just wanted to offer an example that I have. Sure. Which is, as soon as I hear somebody say, you know, we've got label interest, oh. the biggest people in the world are getting behind this, and we're right about to break. And, and you, that's followed by, you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and you could be on board with us you know, like, you know, we'll put your name on it and this, that, and the other thing. And what they're really saying is, we're not paying you, we're not paying yeah, you, yeah, we're not paying right. you, we're not paying you. And so, like, I, whenever I hear lines like that, but for me, that's kind of like the flag. Yeah. We're like, oh, you worked on this record. Can you do that for us and then pass it up? Right, right. Like, yeah, man, no. I'm still waiting to get paid. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not passing yeah. you up next. Or, or uh, you know, because I, I always build up front. I mean, mm-hmm. well, you know what my business model is. Yeah. I mean, you're either in my program or you're not in my program, and we put out product uh, all the time. But the uh, if if a payment is, like, running late and they go, oh, I need a copy of that, they get it. And every 10 seconds, it's like, recorded <laughs> at MJ Rockhouse. Oh. Every 10 seconds, recorded <laughs> awesome. at MJ Rockhouse. You know, watermarked, and they're like... Dude, I can't submit this. I'm like, I know. I'm <laughs> sitting on the part. copy that when you pay, you will have the copy that doesn't oh, that have the is, watermark that's on great. it. That is great. <laughs> well, being that you bring that up, let's talk a little bit about uh, about Rock House. We oh, haven't God, we haven't yeah. even brought that up yet. That's that that's you in, in a nutshell. Is, is Rock House? Yep. Uh, it's well, uh, it, whatever order this ends up happening in this conversation, <laughs> I'll, I'll mix it all up. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll mix it all up. So, yeah, I've worked at, as you know, Tom's River Music for about 20 years, starting around like 83 or so. I got out in 2002, uh, and Ray Bylar, great guitar player. I love him too, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He and I started uh, Rock House um, in Tom's River, and uh, eventually it ended up in Brick. And um, about two years ago, I moved it out of commercial, uh, you know, like a commercial facility Right, it was so weird. It was right before COVID hit. I was like, hey, I'll just move it into the house. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. And I was like, ooh, that, that was, was good great. timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is, um, I guess I'm a music teacher. I guess people could come to me and say, I would like to learn bass or guitar or keyboards or vocals or songwriting or recording or whatever. Um, 
And about three months into their training, when they start getting some basic skills, we start recording them and say, okay, well, here's, you know, this other student did uh, like a bass line, you know, and hey, you can hit these three chords on a piano now and keep timing. And they are very, you know, stay on the timing and they, they learn how to put some melody over that and they work on that for a couple weeks. And meantime, I got a vocalist who's got some lyrics that is listening to the music that's coming up through the through the process and you know and she might go oh well you know what I'm my lyrics I, I kind of hear a melody on this and we put her in the vocal booth and she goes in and she does uh, like a rough track and the next week she might you know she'll take that home and listen to it and polish it up and it's this ongoing snowball everybody that's been in the program for um, three months or a, a lot of my students have been in the program for years they're just working on the next project. Uh, and so there's a continual stream of new material coming out, really completed songs. And um, I guess the people that have been in the program the longest, um, they tend to kind of be like, you know, they'll be the lead guitarist on the song as opposed to the, the newer kid will be the rhythm guitarist. Mm -hmm. um, and the newer vocalists will be, they'll sing the background and the chorus, but they're learning how harmonies work and yeah. and how how timing works and uh, you know how to use a mic and stuff. I think what I'm really doing, what Ray and I, the big plan that we always had was, how can we prepare upcoming students for what they're really going to see in the world? And because what are you really going to see in the world is, how do you construct a song? Whether you're you know going to be playing live and, and playing someone else's material. If you don't know much about how this how a song's put together, you're kind of missing out on, you know, how are you going to perform it? Um, and then uh, Matt was in the program for years, yeah. um, and we've always done live shows where we spend a, a portion of the year um, all hands on deck. I need you to learn the bass line. For these five tunes, you're going to come up and you're going to play this with the band. And we just do round robin of different artists that come up. Um, and God, we never went easy on you guys at no. all. How about Full Circle? I started as a student and then I ended it up as my band was the one playing with everybody coming up and playing with. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There was, it's it, That's another thing, too. I think as, as people go farther in the program, they really kind of fall into like mentoring um, helping out the young upcoming bass player like hey you know play my bass on this like we know you've been practicing it here you know and hand hand off their bass and do that type of thing um, the last couple shows we did were pre pre-covid um, we work with uh, a lot with Joe Berardi you know Sid uh, and Bill Bill Toey um, these are guys that are uh, they're a little, a little bit younger than me. He's got a studio actually right down the street from you guys. Mm. Um, and he's got a band and he's got this, um, like a production company that, that puts on live shows. So the, the last show he put on, it was, it was his band. Plus he brought in my music school, uh, and like Joey Sinopoli. And then he brought in like a couple, uh, I guess upcoming, upcoming bands. He puts like four or five bands on a stage Oh, wow. But what he'll do is he'll say, uh, look, we're not really interested in playing at this bar, this bar, this bar. We want to play at the Stone Pony. That's it, because it's the only place we want to play. 
And we don't want to play there on a Tuesday afternoon. And we don't want to play there on a Thursday night. We only want to play on a Saturday night, period. And we don't want to share the night with any other artists or like headliners coming through. I get the stage the whole night and I get to run the show. And you would think that's an impossible task. It's not. Hmm. The Stone Pony, as, as really as often as he asks, they will set a date for him. Oh, wow. Um, Saturday night, his show. And so he brings in, we, we always go first. Because it's, you know, I mean, I got some, some of my students are, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. I can't keep them out till one in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like they'll, you know, but the last couple shows that we played, um, I think just my school sold something like 500 tickets. Wow. Plus, his band is a pretty big draw, and he brings in, like, again, other bands that are pretty big draws. So the last two shows that we played at the Stone Pony, I, I was getting phone calls, like, parents panicking. They're like, they're like, oh, you know, the, you know, Josh's aunt and uncle, you know, just flew in from Cincinnati, and we called Ticketmaster to get tickets, and they're sold out. And I'm like, oh. sold out? I was like, there will be tickets at the door. I guarantee you can get in. But like, I end up, fun, you know, fending off yeah. phone calls like that. Oh, that's cool though. Thank you. Well, it's a great experience cool. for the kids too. Yeah. Well, I remember Matt when you were doing it. We were still what, like the bingo hall, in the seaside <laughs> park, the, the, the Triborough nice. First Aid Squad. And you know, we we get a lot of people in yeah. there. A lot of people. It'd be a good day. There. Everybody gets to jam with the bands. There was food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was good times. Oh, and I, I got to also, I, I got to give a nod to. Uh, all the proceeds from every show we've ever done and every CD we've ever released and every song we've ever put out, 100% of the proceeds always go to Ocean of Love. Uh, Tom's River Charity, helping yep. local kids with cancer. Um, they're, great. they're great people. Yeah, so for 20 years, I think, uh, you know, and Mike Little from uh, Ocean of Love, he always, always comes to the shows and we always bring him up on stage. Last time we brought him up on stage, you know, we're like, you know, here, and we have the envelope, you know, with all the ticket proceeds. And I mean, there's, who knows how many thousands of dollars are in this thing. So he's like, he comes up and I'm like, yeah, Mike, Mike Little, say a few words. And he, last time he walked up and he tapped on the mic, he goes tap, tap, tap. And it squealed. Uh. Right. And I said, we're pretty sure he's possessed. And he looked at me and like froze. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're pretty sure I'm possessed? I'm like, just don't touch the microphone. Here's a big, here's a big packet of cash. <laughs> you know, and like you know, pe people buy tickets. I'm like, look, don't make your check out to me. Make it directly to Ocean of Love. So you know, they're buying 10, 20 tickets. They're making the check out to Ocean of Love. It's a tax deduction, mm. and they get to bring all their friends. And that's how we move so many tickets. Um, yeah, Joe Berardi. Uh, it's really got. He really knows how to put on a show, man. He That's really awesome. does. He That's really great. does. That's and awesome, it's yeah. so weird that he's like, he's a, like a mile from here. Um, a little bit older than you, but uh, okay. Well, <laughs> maybe I'll put, maybe I'll put you guys in touch he, mm -hmm. with a similar type of setup in studio. And oh, uh, cool. um, I know they got one of his songs got Grammy nominated uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so nice. he's he's doing doing very cool stuff. He's got a, got a good following and stuff. But Matt, back when you used to play these shows, and it was like uh, Mike Fev would be doing the sound, yeah. you know, <laughs> and which was I, I remember the, the the monitors on the side of the drummer was enough to play the show. Yeah, you yeah. know, he'd have the, those are the side fills for the drummer, and I was like. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Play a small stadium, but way overkill with the sound systems. But uh, yeah, we never went easy on you guys. It was like, uh, you know, people come to these shows and they expect, okay, well, you know, here's here come here comes the three chord rock, and the kids would go up there and uh, they'll play Van Halen, uh, oh, and then they'll cool. play King Crimson, and then they'll play Yes, you know, and then they'll do a Stones tune, just you know, but they're yeah. not going to do like you know some three chord Stones tune. They'll do something with like the the really weird chording from. You know, Keith Richards. Yeah. You know, uh, who knows how I actually tuned that day. And the chords just take, like, you know, add six, add nine, add 11. Like, every single chord is, like, some kind of bizarre thing. But, yeah, we never went easy on you guys. No, we did not. <laughs> no. But you guys would always... You always step up, man. You'd, you'd put the time in, get the song solid. Well, I, I tell people all the time, I wouldn't be here or doing anything that I'm doing musically without you. Like, you were the one that pushed me on that journey. Well, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I've, I, I have been, since you've been in the program, I've always been a big fan of the work that you've been doing. Um, Thank you. Effing useless. <laughs> we could actually say it in here, but, yeah. you know, my wife might be watching. And uh, um, What a cool band. Uh, it's, you, it's different. Yeah, yeah, you made your foray into, uh, from, from bass player to lead vocals. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of being a singer, but it works. Well, you know, it's it's a it's an expressive type of vibe. Yeah, see, for me, coming from a bass player though, is singing is so boring. Like, there's it's just like I'm used to like you know singing backups and playing, and like I'm constantly doing something, right, you right. know. Yeah. And as a singer, especially with the kind of music we play, there's a lot of parts where there's like little long drawn out pauses, or like parts where I gotta let them do their thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of time I'm just sitting there like. I'm sure the guys in the band would be happy to hear that their musical seg segments are the long drawn out pauses. <laughs> you know, when the bands are going, they're going like this and the sound's coming out of the speakers. You know, like I said, I try to let them have their time to shine, you know, where I'm not, you know, stomping on top of them with words. And it's just like you sit up there and it's just like compared to playing, it's just yeah. it's boring. Yeah. The, the lyrics were always cool and that stuff. Now, were you 100% doing that all on your own or yeah. were the guys kicking in on lyrical no, it was, ideas? It was all me. They just gave me like when I first went, they gave me a demo with like six songs on it yeah. and said, let us know when you got words for it. And I wrote wrote for everything. And Right. Yeah. Now, your more recent stuff that, you, that you're working on, um, I'm very impressed with the singer that you're working with on your more recent stuff. Oh, with, that's with him, yeah, with Sonic Honey, yeah. Cool. Yeah, he plays guitar on that, and then uh, Jesse, yeah, Jesse, he was on our first episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's pretty pretty phenomenal vocalist. Yeah. God, he's got a great range. Yeah, that that stuff's coming uh, coming along nicely. Yeah, because he showed us some of, he does like a gun for hire kind of stuff, and we've heard some, like, he's done like straight up like country tunes, and he, he sounds good. Yeah. Right. And then you hear him in like, in his band, which is like a straight up metal band, and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, and you're like, wow, you know, Dude's got some range. Yeah. Yeah, very talented guy. And the, the the sound quality that you're getting out of the studio here, I gotta say, I'm impressed with. That's all him. Thanks. Cool. Um, and not to make it about me, but you know this is what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. I, I still run a studio for yeah. a living. So um, it's my full-time job has been for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um and also, my brother was a producer before me, so I was like trained since I was like twelve. Yeah. So I always have an ear whenever whenever I hear uh, a production come out of a studio. Uh, and I don't know, do you do this too? Do you do you listen to like a uh, a production from let, let's say a local studio, and kind of listen to it with an ear to like they got 
they sh- had that adjusted wrong or they should have done this differently. Do you do that? I did. And then sometimes that gets you, I feel like sometimes that gets you in trouble to actually vocalize that. <laughs> and I try to be cool about it. But um, yeah, I've heard some things and there's some things where I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. That was totally done on your laptop. I can totally tell like, you know, in the box. But yep. I mean, you saw, I still use a lot of analog gear. Right. You know, right. I, I have Pro Tools. That's I treat it like a tape machine. I don't treat it like the computer's going to I can make tell. It, you know you what? Know? We should you should really edit in some clip of your studio for like during this discussion. You've got a rack. And that rack's got some cool vintage stuff in it. Yeah. Not like, you know, from the fifties, but I mean like No, from but the there's 90s. some stuff from Whitney Houston's producer in there. Yeah. I bought off of him. Um Yeah. There's yeah. some stuff in there that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and listening to the productions that you're getting out of, out of the studio here, because I am I am one of those guys. Yeah, no, no. And, and Matt will tell you, too. He'll yeah. be like, you know, hey, here's our new mix. You know, what do you, what do you think of this? And I, you know me. Yeah. I, I told I, them, I was like, I'm going to send it to Steve. That's why it's yeah, you're like my mentor. You if came I, back I write with... something, I send it to you. And I'm like, Steve, be honest. Well, you, you don't <laughs> you need came to back tell me with to be something honest. with the uh, vocally, there was a sixth. I think a background vocal was Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's trying to I'm hit like, the sixth on that harmony, but it's just, I don't think it's quite working. You should tune it to an E. So it was, it was funny. So I ran it through Melodyne just to see. Just to see. What the hell? And I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm Clean, like, yeah, right, <laughs> right up there. Yeah, yep. there's the perfect Clean, right up. Yep. Yeah, that I, was crazy. I, I remember that exact harmony, too, because it was, I mean, it was just, we're humans. Yeah, yeah. We're, and nobody has ever sung a damn note on pitch in, in the history of humanity. Yeah. It just, it's not possible. We got... Close. We, yeah, we're there. We, we're we, almost I, there. I, I, and the human the human ear is like kind of flexible, you know. Yeah. And you go, oh yeah, that's that's on. Um, but I remember what it was was he was, he, his lower harmony he was sharp on, and mm. the top harmony was flat, and so you weren't hearing the distance. Yeah, you were hearing um, like it, it was supposed to be a sixth, and it, and it was on the verge of being a flat five. And without getting too technical, folks, uh, <laughs> flat fives are Diablos in Musica. That's what they used to call them, the devil in music. And uh, two, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, if you played that interval, they the church had come and cut your hands off. Oh, wow. Uh, for playing a flatted fifth on any instrument. That's why they didn't let children near a piano. Um, because if you play any F and any B... Two white keys, like it would buy. And the kid will walk over and just hit something by random. Yeah, they hit an F and a B, and I mean, if if the minister was walking by, he would just kick your door and cut your hit your kid's hands off right wow. in front of you, like no question. Um, <laughs> and with the, what they it, it is it does have a harsh kind of a tone to it, but they uh, they honestly believed that that was the tone that they would use to summon Satan. Wow. Even if it was by accident that the devil would appear if you played those tones. And they honestly believe that stuff. It's been scientifically proven in recent years not to be true. Oh, wow. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of classical guys couldn't do that. They couldn't, mm. like, they'd hear that as part of the composition, like, to be required there. Um, and they found, like, really interesting ways around it because they couldn't. Mm. Write that into it without the church kicking their door. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was that was like a real thing. That was a real thing. Yeah. So I remember that harmony, um, and I remember being. Uh, you never have to ask me to be honest with you about something. If if I, I'm a big fan of getting a second set of ears on, oh, on gotcha. things anyway. Um, 
and I think that's one of the things that, uh, thankfully, I'm blessed uh, with my Facebook group. Uh, we're at 48,000 members now, all home engineers. That's awesome. 48,000 of them. And if I'm unsure about something, I, I have a, a few guys on there that are, are like serious, serious engineers. Wow. And, I, and I, hey, would you mind if I sent you this just to get your ears on it? And they will send me something, uh, or I'll send them something. We, we do it back and forth. And they'll get back to you, and they'll be like, yeah, you know, the guitar's going sharp on the bends. Mm. Uh, and it's not killing you, but it's, it's you know, you might want to get that redone. Listen to this, listen to that. Uh, I always mix the bass too loud. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's everybody's thing now, because <sighs> it's, you got and I just recently figured this out, is that uh, most of our monitors near fields they're they're cutting off at 38 yeah the good ones are cutting off at like 32 well you know what my fix for that was like i got a i got this just like cheap subwoofer it sits under my desk it's like a behringer yeah k10 they're cheap they're like 300 bucks um because i did like the rew test and my room is flat like okay. bass treble everything's great mm-hmm. i just went down there and said screw it turned up the subwoofer another like two two or four db i mm-hmm. think i did and it screwed up my REW test, and I have a well-treated room, so I don't have like base problems in there. Um, but now I I'm fulfilled by the base <laughs> as I'm mixing, and, and so it, it, it tended to kind of calm calm down a little bit, uh, which really helped me. Uh, and for anybody that's interested in hearing the music from the students uh, in the Rock House program, uh, we're on SoundCloud. Just type in Steve Hershey. Okay. And um, we put out like a new song like pretty much once a week if we're not prepping for a show. Um, And we got all all kinds of, all kinds of approaches to writing. Um, We just had a country bass vocalist, Rob, you know, boom, 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 kind of a vocalist. Mm -hmm. We just had him do an eighties arena rock song. (laughs) And he's like, whoa, he like gets up there and stuff. And, but we do that to kind of test people's comfort. Um, you gotta uh, push them out of their comfort. Get them out of their yeah. comfort, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise they'll they'll keep writing. You know, he'll just keep writing the same song, uh, you know, country song. Not that every every song is the same in country, but we're all big it's pretty, fans. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty close. Ah, yeah. Did I, did I ever tell you the time I was accidentally in a country band? No. Did I ever tell you that story? No. So this is would have been like back in like mid mid eighties, right? And um, so in the music store no internet or anything there's like a cork board up and people would just you know read you know looking for a drummer just kind of pin it to the board and this was looking for a keyboard player classic rock band dollar signs and a, <laughs> and a phone number and i was like you know oh, i'm only working three nights a week with my main band i like dollar signs well, yeah, yeah let me let me call these guys right so i get to talking to the guy and he's a cool guy and he's like He's, he's like, uh, well, you know, can you play like Almond, Bro- Almond Brothers? Can you play Leonard Skinner? Can you, you know, cover some Clapton and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd? And I'm like, check, 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 check. Yeah, it, like, that's what I play. Like, I don't know every song by every one of those artists, but, you know, like, the, that's my thing. I'm capable of playing anything, any of that, yeah. Uh, it's, well, a lot of the, some of that stuff can get quite, quite intricate, but, I mean, he was really, he was listing bands that are really kind of in my wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, classic rock and prog. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure, man. You know, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll check you guys out. And he goes, well, he goes, you have equipment, you got transportation. I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, 
let's forego the audition. He goes, you sound like you know what you're doing. We're playing tonight. We're playing down in uh, Weartown. Bring your stuff. Come set up with us. Come play with us. And, you know, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have you turn down in the mains. And as you're playing and you got your own amp, I'll come over and I'll listen. And if you're hanging with us, I'll tell them, bring, bring you up in the mains. And he goes, if by the end of the night you're as loud as the band, that means you got the job. So, and I'm a reasonable player and I, I wasn't hitting too many awful terrible notes and so I you know was playing the songs that they were they were doing the end of the night I was at the at the volume and he goes oh great you're hired I said cool he goes you'll make 80 bucks a night and we you know uh we play out several several nights a week and I said awesome and he goes uh tomorrow night we're playing up north so we're all meeting at my house uh, just come over to my house. We all go up in the van with the equipment. I said, ah, that's great. So I went there, loaded my gear in the van, drove up. The guys, they pull into a Holiday Inn. I've I was been envisioning like a Blues Brother moment, like yeah, this was like, chicken wire. <laughs> they, they pull into a Holiday Inn. And so I'm there with like my torn Led Zeppelin t-shirt. And I'm, like, I'm ready to do what we did the night before, right? So I load in my gear and I'm sitting and I'm getting wired up, you know. Guitar players, you know, they, they, they connect their single wire from the head to the cabinet and they're off. <laughs> and they come back a couple minutes later, cowboy hats with like silver buckles, turquoise with the string, pearl buttons, you know. And they come back and they go, where's your hat? <laughs> and they go, what do you mean where's my hat? And they said, yeah, it's country night. I'm like, what is this country night of which you are speaking? Yeah, right. And they said, well, yeah, that's... Didn't we tell you that the band, I won't say the name of the band because I know these, it's actually still a band. Oh, wow. But the name of the band would lead you to believe they do two styles of music. Mm. We'll just say. I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, no, like I auditioned last night. It was a rock band. You're not a rock band? And they're like, no, we have country nights as well. And I was like, I don't know any country songs. Like, I know none of them. And, and he's like, don't worry, man. I'll tell you the, I'll tell you both chords before the song starts. I'll tell you both chords. <laughs> you what know? kind of music you got? We got both kinds. We got country and western. Exactly, exactly. So he goes, he goes, uh, you know, he turned around. He goes C and F, you know. Oh, and the, cor the chorus is in A minor. And I was like, all right, all right. And, and so I would get through these, you know, hack my way through these songs and Kind of like in the background without the lights on me and my torn Led Zeppelin yeah. t-shirt playing, you know. So I'm playing all this like two chord crap. And I mean, they're good. They got like, you know, a reasonable rig and a reasonable sound. And they, they sound like all these country bands I never heard before. So they, they play all this stuff. And at the end of the night, I was like, yeah, this is great. How often do you do this stuff? And they're like... Well, you know, we mix it up between the rock and the country. And, you know, so, but if you're in the band, and they're like, don't worry, you're great. You still get paid. I was like, I know, but I, I, I really, I don't want to be in a country band. Like, how often do you do this? The answer to that question is, that was the only rock gig they ever did. Oh, wow. And they only did it, and I learned this later, they only did it to lure a keyboard player into the band because they couldn't find a country keyboard player. So they put together a rock show and put signs out, classic rock keyboard player wanted, as a trap. It was a Venus fly trap wow. move, and they got me. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you're going to do all country from here on out. I'm out. 
you know, I, I quit. You know, thank you for having me. And he goes, do me one favor. Hang in there until we find a replacement for you because we got all these, you know, all paying work and gigs and we can't really not, you know, just hold off until we can get somebody. And me, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. The, the way that I found out that that's... Like three later. years later. <laughs> the drummer for the band, they got him at a jazz festival. Same thing. They put together a jazz set. Need a drummer to do the festival. This guy signed up. Brilliant drummer. And they're like, yeah, you know, join the band. And he's like, yeah, all right. Country gigs. <laughs> wow. And he's like, he goes, well, I'm only here until they find a replacement for me. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, how long have you been in the band? He's like, year and a half. Oh, <laughs> like, my there's God. no way out. There's no way out. Oh, that's awesome. So they got booked at, and this is just hysterical to me, because I mean, you're in New Jersey. Like, you're not in Tennessee. They got booked at this gig at this place called the Yellow Rose up in North Jersey, right? And the Yellow Rose was a country bar. And, I mean, it was, like, about the size of, like, a high school basketball gymnasium. Okay. Like, bleacher seating and, like, you know, an open floor. Probably used to be, like, a that's what it was, like a, a basketball court for a high school. And they get booked there and they're like, this is the big time. This is the, you know, this is the biggest country, you know, club that you could play at. And we get booked on like a Friday night up there and we're going to play and they had line dancing on the floor. Like, you know, these eight by eight groups of people that they turn and bend and bow and spin in unison and uh, to the music, the line dancing. And the line dancing goes till 8.59, band starts at nine. And the idea is the crowd's already built in. Mm. They've been having line dancing lessons for the past hour. They'll stay and dance. Yeah. You know, and, and each little group has like an instructor that is, you know, showing them, teaching them the dance as they go. One minute to sound check. You have one minute to sound check. The bar is on the, or, or the, the, the mixing board is on the far end of the club. Far end of the club. No sound man. Oh, God. Set it and forget it. Board. Yeah. Right? So the, the lead singer and lead guitar player for the band, the leader of the band, he goes, he goes, look, we got a sound check. And he goes, the most, mo really the most important things are like my, my acoustic guitar and my mic. He goes, do me a favor, just play whatever, sing whatever into the mic for the sound check, the band will, you know, I'll get a quick mix and I'll run back, right? So this is my way out of the band. You have 400 country ass people <laughs> ready to play. Right, and I pick up this acoustic guitar, and I go, and the band, of course, is like you know, you know, G and C, you know, they pick right up. So I start singing, right? I go, I go down, around, around, round, down, around a mountain, down, around, around, round, down, around a mountain, down, around, around, round, down, around, around a mountain, do do do, down, around, around, down, around a mountain. So I'm singing down around the mountain, right? And you could see the guys like getting the mix at the far end. He's like running back and he's like, he's like, don't mock these like running backs. He's like, don't mock these people. They're inbred. They have guns. He's like, fuck, man, fuck, right? And, and they're like looking at him as he runs back through the crowd, right? And he jumps up, grabs the guitar, and he's like, don't ever do that shit again. Kind of, it's like, dude, fire me, please. Yeah, no, begging you to fire so me. I want to be gone out of this band. So I jump back over in the piano and we, we play the whole night. So. The good news is that they want us there now every Friday, and this is a big payday. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not thrown out of the band yet. So I'm like, oh, great, great. So the next week we go there. Oh, and I got to say, while I'm playing this, you know, 
and the band's the band's playing. One, the lead instructor goes, and you can't imagine this happens in New Jersey, right? It's like all of a sudden everybody is from like Nashville. He goes, he goes. Well, that's a Tennessee two-step, and they're all like, ooh, ooh, and they all start dancing to our sound check, and, and they dance and dance and dance during this one-minute sound check. So the next week we get there, and we play our first set. At the end of the first set, this, these five ladies come up and they're like, "I'm sorry, we got here late," and they're talking like they're from Alabama. And these are New Jersey people, North Jersey people. Really. <laughs> sorry, you know, we just arrived from Alabama. You know, we're sorry we're late. Did we miss? down around the mountain because it was so right and you could see this guy like sweat pouring off him like you mean that song that this guy over here sang to mock all of you oh my God. and they're like because we so enjoyed <laughs> we so enjoyed dancing to it so as we played continual friday nights there for a while that became a request that these people wanted they wanted down around the mountain because it was the only tennessee two-step that we did whatever on mm. earth that is <laughs> so that whole thing just kind of snowballed into uh, eventually um, I don't think that they actually were able to replace me but I think the guy was I think he was so frustrated with the fact that this stupid down around the mountain song kept coming up every week in front of like 400 people that wanted to dance to it it was the only thing we did with that beat he's like fine we're going to do down around the mountain we're going to have vocals from our keyboard oh, player wow. Steve and I, and I just every week made it worse and worse you know and then they woo and do their dance to it so eventually it got me thrown out of the band nice there you go that's a good way to have it done though yeah <laughs> how about you guys you ever get roped into any projects that you mm. like couldn't get out of fast enough well, oh, well, recording-wise, yes. <laughs> Not playing-wise, no. What happened? Who'd, who'd you get in here to record? It was the last one that I was like, I'm never doing this again. It was some guy who was just like, yep, I, uh, I sing and I play. You know, I loved uh, some of the stuff you did on this one band, so I want you... That was the whole, you know, oh, right. do that. Comes in and just... Man, you like this stuff, and you know, you know these guys or whatever, and where did you learn how to play? It's like, oh, no, man, I kind of, like, just picked it up, like, over the last year. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this, this isn't the place for you, dude. No, yes, yeah, no, no warning signs like, there. He's like, well, you know, I'll pay up front. And, yeah, you know, one week you're like, all right, that's cool, like, whatever, pay. And you go through and you're like, yeah, no, man, my life's way too, life's too short. I, I can't. I yeah, can't. yeah. Here you go, man. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like, nah, man. Like, literally, it was like some, oh, it was like just a solo. It was 88 at eighth notes. And I'm like, man, it's eights. We're not 16. We're not 30. Shit, we're not 64s. Yeah. It's eights. It's eights. And it's a, mel- a melody line type solo. Yeah. It's just like, here you go, man. Here's a click. I'm like, practice that. Right, right. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'll be back. Come back, it didn't change. You go, all right, man, this is cool. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Practice it. <laughs> Let me know when you're all ready. All the warning signs were there, though. That was my, uh, that was my lesson. That was my uh, catfish in the studio, you know? That's it. <laughs> That's it. Never again. Well, me, I got roped into one time I was playing this uh, show at Jack and Bill's. And this uh, guy comes out to me and he's like, <laughs> you want to split every Tuesday night all, yes. all summer long? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we got every Tuesday night. You guys can have every other one. And I was like, cool. And then, you know, 
12 years later, here I am sitting next to the yeah, guy. That was great. <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, we did, in all fairness, we did every like Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, for like two years before that. Oh, I know. It was like the third year, you're kind of like, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm not doing every day or every week, you know? It was yeah. cool, though. It worked out for you. That's the story of how we got here. Cool. <laughs> uh, which band was that? That was what parked out. Yeah. We no. played Jack and Bills, and he comes walking up. He's like, you guys yeah. want to play every other Tuesday night? We're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And you know what? Porkchop Express, like, it, it lives in infamy because it's a, like, you got that name from Big Trouble in Little China. China. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> um, but the thing that's etched in my mind is the cool stickers that you got from Stick, stick Up, stuck up, up Stickers <laughs> and Eek McKenzie Smith, who was like sort of the art director of the music scene. Yeah, I, could, I can see that train. Yep. You know, the Pork Chop Express, you know. He did the one for us where it's like the PCX inside of the New Jersey. And then he also went yeah. on his own and inlaid the cover from Big Trouble in Little China in the sure. background. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. That yeah. was good. Well, the, the future, I think, of uh, Jersey Shore music is definitely its own thing. Uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to mention, too, because we a lot of uh, like you come from like you know pork chop express and you know uh, you know the bands that we've that we've been in and the artists that we've worked with um, but one thing that i saw working at the music store which i don't I, I don't see in like the clubs that we think of like these set of clubs there's this there's like three other huge music scenes in the jersey shore that uh, if I didn't experience them, I wouldn't have even known they were there. Um, coming out of Lakewood, you have um, the Orthodox Jewish music scene. Okay. And I'll tell you, those guys can play. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've had a couple students, uh, a couple keyboard students from that scene there. And they have, you know, their, their music that they do. But th- those guys rip. Like they got some uh, killer players, also from Lakewood, um, the Black Churches. The Black Churches, they got some music going on in those churches. My brother used to do a lot of uh, uh, the sound system installations uh, for those guys. They did. Um, it was, I think, it was a, a Mike Fevola production. Uh, back with like the uh, uh, like Mike D Maria and stuff, and they they had like that whole band going on, and they were doing like an open mic Thursdays, and one of those bands, and I knew like every other guy in the band because they would come, you know, they, they, their church in Lakewood, they'd shop at the store, so I knew half the guys, mm-hmm. and they 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 came in, and I think they were you know, like you know, ah, hey, it's Steve from the store, you know, I'm like, hey, what's up, guys, and they're like, yeah, we brought the band, and there's like eight guys in the band they brought like 30 people with them to watch and they went up there and they laid it down nice and these guys they had like the old the old guy at the keyboard like you know (laughs) hunched over like this and he's got chords on his piano that aren't on my piano you know he's Ah, he's got those chords and uh they they were just tight 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 um and i've had the opportunity to like visit uh like their their services their church services and stuff us, those guys, like, you know, and, and I don't think they're necessarily going to play the Stone Pony, but they've got their whole scene yeah, there, and it's ripping. Thing. And the third one, and this one, and, and they've actually got a business model for this one, too. Um, these are the, the Latino guys, mm-hmm. the guys from Mexico. Um, yeah. I think mainly from Mexico. The guys that I dealt with, they were, they were definitely 
Mexican. And they'll have five percussion stations that they set up, like, you know, congas and timbales and stuff. Um, bass, keys, maybe a guitar player. And they all sing. Yeah. Uh, but, like, five percussion stations. And, and what they do is they rent... Um, it, it's I guess the equivalent would be it's like a rave. They rent like a, a little warehouse. They used to rent like the mansion in brick. Oh, we played there. So we had I, our students I play used there to a few do. Yeah. I reconed all the speakers in there after those shows because oh. they would just pop them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the guy always found me, and I reconed speakers. So yeah, yeah. Know, I'd be getting eighteens. I'm sitting here on a big table, just cutting it out, yep. reinstalling it. You know, it's hysterical now. I'm like, what'd you do? This day, uh, they had a Mexican night, and the guy got yeah, a that little was like every Friday too. Yep. Yeah, every Friday, yep. like uh, it was like uh, Latino Heat Night or something yeah. like that. It was something, yeah, something like that. I something remember like going that, yeah. there and installing limiters. You had to, to yeah. yeah, you had to. Uh, but these guys would would they do like uh, like like real underground like that was the mansion was a legit place like mm-hmm. you could go you know have your prom there your sweet 16 oh, yeah, party yeah, so yeah. it was like kind of nice these guys would rent like you know a basement in a in an apartment building or I don't even know if they'd rent it but they're like you know yeah we're, we're here on this night you know uh, they're like you gotta come you know and I was like I'd go hang out with these guys and I, I knew probably like three or four of the guys from the store and there's you know, hundreds of people there that I don't know. And let me tell you, all of them jumping up and down. And the music was just like, you learn something about being a musician. I think I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to put in words. The more, I think the more you kind of open your doors a little bit, the more exposure you have to what really jumps, Mm -hmm. what really pops is a melody. What really counts is like a, like like a catchy timing or something like that. Um, I would say it's more like writer. More of a writer would open that up, seeing those things. Musician-wise, I mean, that's a uh, to me, is a very bland term, being a musician, because there's, you know, the players being tight is totally different than being a player. Being in a unit is way better than being, you know, the filling guy, musician. You're to me describing writer because it's like, well, here, this is this this particular thing, how it popped. This is their melody lines. You know, I mean, there's our there's great jazz lines that you go, oh, I get that. And then there's other people that just like, well, I just in one ear out the other. You know, sure. The Mexican thing with the the way they make it bounce. Yeah. All right, man. Like I learned with doing hip hop stuff. It's like, yeah, one twenty five. Don't care what it is. It's got to be at one twenty five. That's how you get in the dance. I'm like, all right, makes sense. I get that. I nice. get it, you know. So nice. it's like, I and, think and the sub writing, on low A. Oh, well, now that that tonality wise, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> I know and we used to oh, people people come into the music store. They'd be like, you know, like obviously, you know, they pull right up in the fire lane with their New York plates, you know, like some some Benny, you know, with the gold chains and the, and the pinky ring, and come in and go, hey, which way to Seaside Heights? Oh. It, 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 we would tell them, find any Mustang that's going, yeah, and follow it. So wait, you, I'll take it right to Seaside. Do you remember there was a band, there was a Tom's River band that wrote Seaside Tony. I can't remember the name of the band. Do you remember that? Because it's definitely late 90s. It was Seaside Tony. I mean, it was played around here 
All when I was a kid. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. Oh, I God, wish I knew. I, I don't want to say like Brown or uh, Captain Woodpecker. Oh, I can't think of who it was because it was like Surf Club. When Surf Club was, the stage was on the outside southbound wall. Not where it was where before the, God rest that place's soul died. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's just too many places that we've said uh, goodbye to. I know. Like that. But yeah, it sounds like oh funny. Oh God, I can't it, it, of... It's weird. Like I, I mentioned like uh, Benny's, but like being like from before, before your time, and it, just a kind of a brief history lesson, Tom's River was built on mob money. It, <laughs> I believe it. I believe and, it. And what it was was like, you know, the Brooklyn mob, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, and like Long Island mob. Um, and what they would do is they, you know, they're looking for a nice place to set up grandma, mm. you know, away from the, the, the yeah. crime-ridden streets. And so they built her a nice little house down here by the, the ocean and, and, it, and it built and built and built. And ev- eventually that turned into year-rounders yeah. um, that, that kind of set up. And they kind of came later, the year, like the people, the permanent residents that mm-hmm. came here. And the influx of money was every summer... Brooklyn would clear out. They'd all go down the shore, and they'd bring all their their money with them. Yeah. And I mean, it was mob money, and it, it was big money. And they were termed. You couldn't really say, "Hooray! Here comes the mob money that's going to yeah. you know inf, you know infuse our economy." So the the nicest way they put it was that they called those people the beneficials. Because you couldn't say mobster, mm. and that got shortened to Benny. Oh, look so at that! So that's where the word com- Benny comes shoobies. from. the shoobies. Yeah, shoobies <laughs> were from Philly, I thought, right? Yeah. See, when I when I first when I first heard Benny's, I was like, man, that's the most derogatory, like possibly racist, horrible thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the Bennies are coming, but it means beneficials. Wow. The see, you learned something economy. even wow. on this podcast. I, I never knew that. It is. You learned something. Yeah, there's new. your history lesson, folks. <laughs> Well, speaking of history lessons, guys, and history, I am on a schedule. I do appreciate no, we love so it. much the invite. And Matt, you know, uh, <laughs> any time that you ever have anything I can help with or, uh, or anything, yeah. you and I go way back. Definitely. Uh, your studio is absolutely beautiful Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. And I do appreciate the invite now. We got one more question. Just real quick, give everybody where they can find you. Yes, I can read this. No. no, no, no don't <laughs> tell them you know, where they can find you, how they can get a hold yeah. of you with Rock House and whatever else. What, all your other endeavors? Um, yeah, njrockhouse.com. That's NJ, like New Jersey, rockhouse.com. Uh, that's, you know, phone number and directions and, uh, you know, some clips of the music we're doing. Please go to SoundCloud, uh, Steve Hershey. Go to, go to Steve Hershey uh, on SoundCloud. You'll see music as it comes out in, in real time. And it's all over the place from... Um, you know, it's, it, you'd think NJ Rockhouse, it's all rock stuff, but we've been putting out, um, it's like all over the map. It's, it's some cool. pop, there's some metal, um, there's some jazzy stuff. Like the, there's, we're about to come out with, uh, I think in the next week or so, we got these two twin sisters, uh, they're 17, and they're putting out a soul tune. And we have never done a soul tune. And I that mean, you'll cool. hear this. You'll think that you're like, you know, you're, you know, you're in Motown in the 70s. That's awesome. Um, and uh, the, the, the one girl uh, is uh, a beautifully voiced singer. She just sounds like choirs of angels and shit. <laughs> she, she just sounds so good. And her sister, twin sister, um, guitar. 
and she's got this Motown vibe. They, they oh, like came up with cool. this thing, and the girl that sings had this like vamping keyboard thing. Like, just on this topic, real quick. This song's about to hit in a week, but check out the stuff that's there now and, and subscribe to it so you see when it hits. The bass line. This is like the weirdest thing. I just put a fresh set of strings on. Um, I get this Fender P bass, uh, American, and trying out uh, New York Steels brand. I don't know if you ever tried them. They're really good for like about five minutes, and then they're good, and then like three days later, they, they, like they they, like <laughs> they're like long lasting strings. Like because I'm used to like elixirs, you know, yeah. co coated strings. I'm used to getting six months out of strings. But it was like literally within the hour of me putting them on. Um, and I, they had this whole soul thing. And I was like, let me just throw it on and, and, and plug in. And just it's out of G minor, which is one of my favorite keys on, on a bass. And the strings are just, and it's a Fender P bass, you know. And it's, I, I just had the preamp set right and everything. Like it just all came together in this bit of glory. And I hacked my way through this bass line that had nice moments in it. And then the rest of it was, it was like me on bass, you know, like mostly on. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of fell apart and came, came and went. <clears throat> but uh, the software I use, you click one button and it sets up this uh, eight by eight grid of pads. And it chops the entire bass line, the three minutes that you played, into here's five seconds of it, here's three seconds of it, here's just one note. Like it, it intelligently grabs what it thinks are phrases. And the singer came in, um, a girl her named Gabriella. I was like, yeah, check it out. You know, and on 64 pads of it, and she's like there sitting there with uh, these Olo headphones on, which are handcrafted at the foot of the Alps in Slovenia. <laughs> and like, they're, I don't have you heard, have you, have you heard Olo headphones? No, I have not. <laughs> yeah, they'll break the bank, man, but they're killer. Yeah. Wood. Wooden. Oh, wow. It's like character, but they're reference phones. Like, mm -hmm. like, that's and, all of them though now. <laughs> yeah, so well, yeah, they all try like, to be reference and Yeah, break but the, the thing bank. is like, I got like nine sets of phones in there from, you know, like AKG, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Audio Technica and this, that, and the other thing. Nothing they're, they're, Yeah, because, you know, everybody thinks headphones should cost you 150 bucks. No. Not good ones. Not good ones. Yeah. yeah. So these things are like five. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, I put them up against, like, well, I've, I've worked Sennheisers and Buyer Dynamics and the usual sucks. Mm -hmm. Not the same. I've never heard, like, I, I was testing with, like, Steely Dan. I don't even like Steely Dan. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God, you can hear the background vocals vocalists talking to each other wow. before they start singing. I was like, holy crap. And like flat. Wow. Yeah. So, cool. But anyway, so she walks over to this grid, this pad, and she's like, and with this, with this drum beat they had. And she did like the verse and the chorus. And she's like, I want this and this and this in the bridge. So she actually orchestrated the whole bass thing against her keyboard player and her sister's on guitar. So it's really all of them and just me kind of screwing around like on a G minor. Like, what the hell do I have a G and, you know, kind of slap and pop around. Um, but yeah, they, they de definitely got their fingerprints on the song. That's coming out soon. Nice. Um, and Facebook. Um, home Recording Studio Zone, guys. Uh, it's the second largest of that type of group. The largest is... Uh, 
I, I won't name them and I'll tell you why. It's yeah. the Wild West shit show of, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, like every 15-year-old kid with, you know, with GarageBand on his phone is telling somebody with 20 years of experience how to set a limiter. Yeah. It, you know, and it's just completely unmoderated and, you know, hey, check out my new video. Hey, check out my new video. And, oh, yeah. But Home Recording Studio Zone, um, uh, Ricky T. Brown from England running it. Um, and he's got a major studio over there. Uh, the, the guys on staff that work with me all around the world, there's, I think, five guys on staff. And they mod they moderate it. You can't even put a post on it without approval from the staff. So there is no crap. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, the rules are, like, hey, you can debate topics all you want. As soon as it gets personal, you're gone. Just yeah. don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly, I mean, how yeah. difficult do you think yeah. it would be? So th that's why we don't have as big a numbers as the Wild West shit show. Uh, but 48,000 members and grown. We're actually about to hit 50,000, I would say, probably by the end of the summer. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'd have to check that out. If I you do get home recording, that. I mean, please. Yeah. I'd love, love to see you on there. Yeah. I will sponsor awesome. you. Uh -huh. They, they nice. do make you answer three simple questions. Okay. Um, you know, like what does DAW stand for? Uh, I mean, if you can't answer, you one. can Google it. <laughs> you Google it. You can Google it. No, I know I'm on one of the ones that you're describing. And like sometimes you get, there's some good stuff when somebody has a problem and it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And you go into the menus. But there's ones where they're, they're cutthroat and just, ooh, yeah, oh, some of them, man. Can get, yeah. With, and you know what? Not, not to get into like politics or anything, but I mean, politics show up. And oh, religion yeah. shows up. And I mean, you're there it's like... We're talking about music. Yeah, yeah. If you had an honest question about like, you know, what's a good compression ratio for like a, uh, like a backing vocal from yeah. a, a girl? And I mean, there is an answer to that question, but if you have to sort through all this other crap to... Well, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. annoying. So you know, to go through everything. Yeah, it's like time. skip, 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 skip. Oh, here's a post that's kind of on topic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all right. Is a good one. We know you got to get out of here. So one last final question. We'll yes. The same one that we give everybody. Sure. You can answer it from you, or you can answer <laughs> it as like what you would like to see for your students. Sure. If there's one thing you could change about the music scene today, what would it be, and why? Uh, I think that's a big question, but I would think I would say. Um, learn from the wisdom of the past, but don't be afraid to define your own future. Because I, 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 and I, when I say that, like the wisdom of the past, I think these are things that you can learn from and benefit from. But there's also like a mythology that I think sometimes you have to let go of. I mean, the wisdom of the past, not the stories of the past. Choose wisely. Learn from the stuff that you, you know has happened, the real history, the real things that are going on. And, and you get to make the decision as to what's important and not important. Like we talked about like uh, business models that were, came and gone because they didn't adapt. Yeah. I mean, those were carved in stone and they failed. Mm -hmm. Listen to the history that makes sense to you and learn from its wisdom. Um, but don't be afraid to define the future in a way that makes sense for you. If, if nobody has tried doing what, you are, what you're doing, you know what? Op open that door and step through it. Because without pioneers, none of us would be sitting in this room. Yeah, it's true. Walk through that door.
That would be my advice, I guess. That's a hard question, man. (laughs) We've gotten we've gotten a lot of really really interesting answers. Yeah. yeah, that's and I should know that because I watch your podcast. <laughs> what your final question is, and, and but you you definitely caught me off guard with that. I should have paid attention. Well, thank you again. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, thank you very guys. Much. Any, anytime yeah. I can be of any help to uh, you know your yeah. bands or yeah. uh, I mean, if you, I'll still send you stuff all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, um, if, you know, if you want to get into our Facebook group, it's yeah. you know super easy. I'd love for both of you guys to be in there. Um, just so you can see what we built. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that'd be awesome. I you know, hope you enjoy the music we're putting out. And, you know, uh, when Ray and I started Rock House, it was with the idea that we wanted, we just wanted the next generation of musicians coming out of Ocean County to be world class. We nice. didn't, I don't think, set the bar too high, but, you know, traditionally music lessons has been a real kind of hit or miss in terms of like, you know, you could be stuck in the back of the, of the warehouse in the back of some music store in a six foot by six foot room with someone who's going to say, you know, here's three blind mice. We're going to read the sheet yeah. music. They're just there to collect the paycheck. And I, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to yell and yell and yell at you until you read the stupid song that you don't care about based on, you know, but we're like, yeah, you know. Here's how music, I mean, this is the difference between an A minor and an A minor seven. And here's why you'd want to do it. And let's do this. What's the yeah. difference? Like I said, it's the difference between the guy that wants to collect the paycheck and like you guys, you guys care. You, 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 you know, you put yourself into what you're doing. That means a lot to me to hear you say yeah. that. Well, I, you. I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. Matt, when when the cameras go off, you're gonna get a hug. <laughs> I'm perfectly I'm perfect okay with it. Not with the cameras on, though. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you guys in two weeks.